Welcome to pod doc number two. I just finished up my last class in high school. So today's point of conversation is what I learned from my senior year of high school. Everyone knows that senior year is probably the most stressful and action packed year in high school, but not everything is all stress and anxiety about college. In my opinion, you also grow a lot during this year. Today, I want to jump into some of the biggest things that I learned about myself and a bit of my suggestions for all of you in order to help you in the process. Along with my suggestions, you're going to hear a few of my peers, a lot of people who submitted through our Instagram and our Facebook, and also an audio message that's going to talk about their own recommendations spliced into some of the episode. Now that you get the gist of the episode, let's hop into my first realization. first realization throughout the year, and it's probably my biggest one, was that failure is crucial to my own success. Now, I failed in a lot of things this year. I'll give give some examples. The first is I didn't get accepted into my number one school that I wanted to go to. Second is I I terminated a long-term relationship. Third, I quit my favorite activity in debate and had to start from scratch. And then the fourth and probably biggest thing is that I had really, really poor mental and physical health. The thing that senior year really teaches you is who you truly are. With adversity, people are going to show their true colors. But I can genuinely say that these failures are what have made me stronger. If I had not experienced, for example, the rejection from my top school, I wouldn't have gone through the process of even creating this podcast, focusing on my own health, working on self-development, rekindling my relationships with my friends. Failure is kind of like the tears in your muscle, if any of you are interested in biology or any fitness. When you tear your muscle, that's the only way that it can grow. It grows through its pain. In a bit of a masochistic way, you kind of have to love the pain and you have to love the struggle. Ultimately, though, life isn't a straight line. There's going to be twists and turns that you can't foresee coming. I kind of think of life as a sinusoidal curve. Sometimes you're at where you expected, and other times you're way below it, and other times you're way above it. But regardless, you gotta go through the paces, you gotta run with the punches, and you gotta use your failure as something to help you succeed. The next realization that I had, and it's very much related to the last thing that I just talked about with failure, is that you need to fully experience your emotions, but you shouldn't sulk in them for too long. So with failure, you can get very emotional. Um, The only in this year alone did I realize a better strategy for coping with my own emotional state rather than just beating myself up. The best explanation that I can think of for this theory comes from one of my favorite books, the only book that's ever made me cry, which is Tuesdays with Maury. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend you read it, but Joey's going to take this away and he's going to talk about a bit of the quote. If you hold back on your emotions, if you don't allow yourself to go all the way through them, you can never get to being detached. You're too busy being afraid. You're afraid of the pain. You're afraid of the grief. You're afraid of the vulnerability that loving entails. But by throwing yourself into these emotions, by allowing yourself to dive in all the way, over your head even, you experience them fully and completely. You know what pain is. You know what love is. You know what grief is, and only then can you say, all right, 
I've experienced that emotion. I recognize that emotion. Now I need to detach from that emotion for a moment. Now, I think this idea is super important and a little bit of background on the quote. Tuesdays with Maury is a book about a dying man. His name is Maury and his greatest disciple, whose name is Mitch, basically comes back to him after living a whole life where he doesn't totally like how he's living at that point. And I think this idea that he talks about, this idea of fully experiencing your emotions so that you can end up detaching from it, really spoke to me when I started reading it. It was one of the first books that I started reading in the beginning of the year, and it helped me a lot in figuring out some of my own emotions, figuring out how to best cope with it. I've experienced a lot of emotions this year, sadness, loss, happiness, pride, anger, just to name a few. Um, However, after reading this, I realized that the best way I could cope with any of this stuff is just to, to let them pass once I experience them. Don't sulk in your failures. Don't sulk in your emotions. Experience the sadness you experience when you don't meet your expectations and then move on with your life and work on your next mission. one is about passion and about goal setting and that one comes from our good friend amanda high school has taught me that in order to see change you have to find the passion to fight for it and once you start you never shall let go because that's when we create our own doors rather than waiting for one to open for us amanda's words really speak to me in this case the hardest thing that i tried to do this year was figure out what i'm passionate about It's probably the hardest question that I wrestled with during this entire year, and I really realized that I wasn't passionate about anything when one of my friends asked me, what are your hobbies? And if you're like me in any way, and you work really hard on, for example, schoolwork, you tend to forget all of the things that really make you you. Those are your hobbies. So I had to rekindle my own love for my hobbies, got back into playing the guitar, started up this podcast, started reading, started going outside, started working out with my brother. Uh, and all these things are what helped me refigure out what I'm passionate about. And now I think I'm, I'm finally in a place where I understand it. I'm someone who likes to build communities. I'm very passionate about helping other people. Finding that, though was the hardest part of this year in my mind. And, and it comes with a lot of failure. And it's okay to go from one thing that you think you're passionate about, you then realize you're not passionate about, and you can continue to move on. It's all a process of self-discovery. So you have to look really within yourself. The next thing that I realized is that you have to set goals. But I think that there's a stipulation to this idea. I think you have to set both ambitious and achievable goals. In order to fail, you have to have something to fail at. It's literally impossible to do something and not fail, and it's also impossible to fail without doing something. So the best way in my mind to grow is to set your goals in advance. My one caveat to this is have two types of goals, your ambitious ones and your achievable ones. The ambitious ones make sense. They're those big things that you've always cared about to achieve. For example, buy your own home, get into this school, get 100 on this test, etc., etc. While these are important, though, 
I also think it's really important to identify your achievable goals because these will give you those extra boosts that you need to make it into a more grandiose goals. In a way, it's kind of like a hierarchy. You have your major goals and then you have your smaller set goals. These achievable goals, however, should be easier for you to accomplish, but to still give you a bit of a challenge. For example, in the context of running, I used to be a runner, so I think about this a lot, and I'm trying to get back into running, so I'm focusing on it again. If it's way too easy for you to run a 10-minute mile, but it's terribly hard for you to run a 6-minute mile on a given day, tell yourself that you're going to run a 9-minute mile. That's still harder than doing the 10-minute mile, which would be easy for you, and it's still slightly easier than your 6-minute mile pace. Obviously, that's not an exact comparison, but you have to figure out where your limits are and what you can actually do. So here's how I kind of accomplish all of this. After a large landmark, for example, like ending a school year or beginning a sports season or beginning a season for any activity you're doing, figure out what you want to achieve. So a lot of people have a bad rap for New Year's resolutions, but I actually think they can be very useful. But a lot of people make the mistake when they're making these these New Year's resolutions to make way too big goals, which I think we can fix. And then the second thing that I do is I use something called an AIG journal. So I created this idea myself. It was based off of um, a journaling concept that I had actually seen in a YouTuber. His name is John Fish. And basically what I do here is it allows me to do a lot of reflection because I outline. So A stands for accomplishment. I stands for my improvements for the day. And G stands for my goals for the next day. So every single day I'm getting in the act of goal making, of goal setting. That then helps me to figure out even bigger goals that I care about on my way to achieve, for example, a degree at college, etc. And these two strategies I think have helped me create really long-term strategies for my own success as well as figuring out the short-term things that make me get to those long-term goals. My next thought goes in tandem with the goal setting, and it is after you create all of these goals, plan, plan, and then plan some more. Organization and planning are probably the most transferable skills that I've gained in high school. Landon Allen, one of my mentors who I've talked about on this podcast before, once recommended to me that the best thing that he ever did was buy a calendar, and I 100% agree with that. The way that I set up a lot of my organization is I do, I do a plan for every single day. So basically what that looks like is I'll plan out the things that I have to do for my schoolwork, for my homework. I'll also plan out the things that I have to do, for example, for this podcast, as well as any of the other projects that I'm working on. And then I'll have a whole file that's, or a whole, whole side of the sheet that's just related to my personal needs. Now, this is very important for me, especially as I've been trying to figure out um, how to have a more efficient way of my own life as well as figuring out how to live a healthier life. So on there, I very frequently include to read at least 10 pages during the day, to work out with my brother, to eat three meals, to drink eight cups of water. These very, very simple things, but they're very helpful for me because it reminds me that I'm missing certain things during my day if I don't cross them off. I also use Apple Calendar to help me plan out big events that I need to think about. So for example, when we're releasing podcasts, I'll always write down the release date as well as when we're recording. If there's a birthday party that I have to go to, I always write that down. 
What this really helps me do is it helps me set reminders and get my life on track. Next one, we have another submission from one of our previous guests, Justin Schiavo. I've learned a lot in my four years of high school, some of which are skills that I will use for the rest of my life, and others I learn once and forget about it because it's not important for what I want to do with my life. But the most important thing I learned from this year is that if you work hard and don't give up, you'll be rewarded and fulfilled. I worked my ass off for these past few years, and for a while, it seemed like torture in a way. Now, finally, after all these years, I'm finally seeing the fruits of my labor. So I think Justin's totally right. This is my same mantra for my own life, to work really hard. But I think you need to work smart, because if you don't, you will experience burnout. And this is what leads me into my next thought. This whole idea of working very hard and getting the fruits of your labor is definitely important, but it's not as important as maintaining yourself. And I fell into a trap this year where I worked so hard and forgot to focus about myself that I experienced burnout. And, and I kind of find that it's sad that I have to say that. I'm only an 18-year-old, and burnout is a thing that we used to only talk about for people in the middle of their life or towards the end of their life, and all that they would need to do is take a break, reevaluate. But I'm still a teenager, and I'm experiencing that. And I'm sure a lot of you are probably also experiencing that. As a senior, it gets very hard to do all of this work, and especially when you don't see the fruits of your labor or exactly don't really see it materialize until very later a uh, very late on in the year you start to ask yourself is it really worth it the way that i tried to manage a lot of these things is i tried to focus more on on myself like i was talking about before go back to the things that i care about burnout's overwhelming for for every single person to the point where your motivation and your drive just doesn't really stand anymore. It reduces your productivity and it sometimes leads to depression. So you really have to focus on yourself. And this is what also brings me to a submission that we have from our next friend, my homie, Justin Smith. Throughout my high school career, I learned that asking other people for help isn't a sign of weakness. It's necessary to succeed. All right, this one is huge. Realizing that you need help is the first step to fixing your problems. For myself, my physical, mental, and emotional health are very important for me. And this is a huge aspect of my life that I gave up at the beginning of the year. We get caught up thinking that we need to focus on our grades, maintaining our friendships, or helping others. But to be honest with you, none of that really matters if you let yourself go. I am someone who likes to serve others, and one of the crucial clarifications that my parents gave me about service when I was younger is that you have to focus on yourself first. If you don't, you're not going to help anybody. Now, I agree with that, but I only have one reservation. Don't keep the onus on others. Don't do it because you want to help others, but rather do it because you actually care about yourself and you need it for yourself. So here are some of my recommendations. The first one, the biggest one that's helped me this year. Go to the gym. Everyone says it, but for real, it's true. If you're able to go to the gym, 
Start off small and just try to go once a week, then try to ramp it up. If you can't go to the gym, just run outside. Do something that gets you physically active. We're going to have a whole episode just focused on healthy living coming soon, so definitely keep your eyes peeled for that. The second thing is take breaks. This is huge. These are actually what make you more efficient in the long run. And I never really thought about that. I always thought if you're not working, you're not making steps in the right direction. What I then realized by reading a lot of books and then also thinking about my own habits and and realizing um, how much time I was spending on certain activities is that if you take a break, it helps you recalibrate and it makes you more efficient in the future. So some ways you could take a break, go for a walk with your friends, just breathe some fresh air, take a nap, free flow right, do whatever works for you that gets you out of what you were previously doing. The third thing is do a reflection journal like I talked about before. When I was younger, I frequently found myself thinking through moments in the past to try and figure out ways to fix them, but I never really wrote them down as a stream of consciousness. I would just kind of do it when I was about to fall asleep. I actually think this has been one of the most important things that I've done for myself, all of this journaling every single day. My journal doesn't take the typical I did this, I did that approach. It has a different twist on it. You could look back at the stuff that I said before and it talks in more depth. year that I really felt you all should hear about is don't take life so seriously. Now, it sounds kind of contradictory to what I was saying before, and I promise it's not in a suicidal way in any way whatsoever, but here's a quick scenario to help you figure out if you're taking life way too seriously. Immediately after an exam, what do you do? Most people try to figure out the answers to what they just took. But have you ever asked yourself why you do that? That is what we should really be asking. Because in my mind, there really is no point to figuring out whether you got something wrong or got something right. Because at the end of the day, you're going to know once you're given the test back. You're just increasing your anxiety levels when you're doing that. And I understand why you do it. I I understand why I did it because I did the same thing. But you have to disassociate yourself from what just happened and where you are right now. It's super important. Remember that some things just are not worth stressing about. Life goes on and we can't change the past. That's a huge thing. Keep your eyes set on the prize and keep plowing with full speed ahead. Don't let life's distractions get in your own way. The next lesson comes from a really great buddy of mine, Don. Miss you, homie. But for real, tell it to him. Yo, Debate Without Debate podcast. Shout out my guy, Joey. Hope you're doing good. I'd say the one thing that I've learned particularly in senior year in high school is the fact that um, admission to top US colleges is extremely corrupt. So particularly as myself as an international student applying to uh, US colleges, I've been sort of amazed at the fact that there are so many different factors that contribute to application to the extent that it's no longer become a meritocracy. Sort of different things such as your family income, donations, legacy admits, etc., etc., is really sort of the driving force behind admission. And I've learned that you can do as much as you can as a student in terms of grades, extracurriculars, etc. There are so many different things which you can't control and ultimately that um, you may become unlucky just because 
your family falls in a certain income bracket or you're not a legacy or you're not of a certain race etc which is quite sad but that's the way it is i guess next thought that came to my mind as i was thinking about my senior year is having a mentor or a role model really feels amazing and it helps you define your path if someone's done it before it makes you feel like you can do it again even though life's not a straight line having a mentor really is a game changer this year i realized just how important it was i didn't feel like i had someone to look up to in the beginning of the year and to be real with y'all i still really don't have my next mentor But when I saw someone who I wanted to be like in the past, it helps me emulate or strategize my own path to success. Now, of course, you shouldn't obsess and try to be exactly like someone else. It's never going to happen to begin with, but it does really help you get a better vision. So figure out whether that's your parent, a friend, a political figure, an actress, whoever it is that you look up to, figure out what they do well and what they do wrong and emulate the positive sides and get rid of the negative sides. This next one's a little different from all the ones that we've talked about before, and it's related to a feeling that you can get. In my mind, the best feeling in the world is feeling proud of yourself. I touched on this just a little bit during our episode with Justin Schiavo, aka The Rocket Man, but I wanted to expand on it just a little bit more. Many of us go through the pace of our life not thinking about this one essential question. Am I proud of who I am right now? This is a really hard question to ask, and it has always been something that's made me really uncomfortable, especially knowing that I'm not perfect. When I was younger, I always told myself that when I grow up, I wanted to be a gentleman. I wanted to be that person that people will look to and be like, wow, he's such an upstanding dude. But to be honest... That goal really hasn't changed for me. I still want to be that person. But for the first time in my life, I actually feel proud of myself. I feel like I have achieved what I've, I've really put forward. And I think the core of myself is more in line with what I had always intended it for, to be. So what can you do to feel proud of yourself as well? Well, the first thing that comes to my mind is looking in the mirror quite literally and saying you are great. Now, this might sound kind of stupid, but I swear if you genuinely internalize that message of knowing that you are great every day and that you are being an upstanding human being in most situations which you are in, you will feel validated. I also think a lot of people think that you can only feel proud of yourself at the end of your life. Now, mind you, I have a lot of my own growing to do and a lot of learning to come, But there is nothing better in my mind than accepting your imperfections and your mistakes and relishing your accomplishments. Feeling proud of what you are and who you are means accepting all those things that you did wrong, embracing them and looking them in the face and saying, you are a part of me, but that's exactly the point. That's what makes us human. This whole process takes time. It takes effort, but I promise you it's 100% worth it. The last but potentially most important lesson that I learned this year is that material goods do not give my life validation. Those immaterial things are what actually really matter to me in my life. I think I really discovered this when I was reading another one of the books that I'm very passionate about, 
and it's called The Positive Shift. In that book, the author talks about basically how to live a happy life. And she makes the argument that everything's just a mindset. I always asked myself, why were people, for example, in third world nations consistently happy, at least in their depictions and what I've seen, whereas when you look at the United States, you don't typically see that. Or even in the United States, people who have so little look like they have so much because they have their happiness. And what this author basically explained is that it's all about how they think. It's all about their self-awareness. It's all about them knowing what they need at the time and not going past that, knowing their limits. In fact, focusing on those things that are really immaterial, so not having the biggest house, the best car, the best clothing, instead focusing on your relationships with people, your passion, things you're passionate about, your hobbies, those are the things that really end up giving your life meaning. And in a really weird way, it probably will also give you material achievements in the long run. One of the earliest times I realized this was when I was debating as a sophomore. I had just learned a new style of debate that my team was trying to branch into, and I struggled with it a lot. I wasn't very good at it, but I kept at it. One competition in particular um, really made the difference, and it was upstate in upstate New York, and it was the first time that I really found myself doing well at a competition, and I had reached late out rounds for the first time in our team's history. But I think the key to my success was that I didn't have expectations going into it. I didn't tell myself, I want to get this trophy. But instead, I told myself, listen, I'm going to go in. I don't have expectations. I just want to learn something. I plowed my way through it, and it opened a door for not just myself, but the rest of my team. And I genuinely believe that the best results occur when you don't have any preconceived notions of what you should get, when you don't feel like you're entitled. You got to drop your ego in a way. That way, you will actually achieve the things way more than when you had those expectations. And psychologically, that's what makes that difference that brings you over the hurdle that you're trying to get over. I think this is particularly key also in the college admissions process. You really can't control anything. That's what I learned this year. That's what Don talked about too. But if you go into it with little expectations and you know within yourself that you've done all that you can, I believe that you're gonna feel more fulfilled by the end and you're gonna be less stressed because of it. Those are all of the lessons slash thoughts that I really have for right now. If you made it to the end, you're a real one. I appreciate you. I know that was a lot of me just giving a litany of different things that I've learned. To all those who are graduating soon or you've already graduated, congrats. Lots of stuff is in the works for us this summer after I graduate. Good luck to all of you in your next chapter. I hope I can meet some of you soon. And anyway, Joey's going to take us out with the outro. For sure. Again, thank you all for listening into this pod doc episode. It was a really great time recording it and just listening to Asher and his lessons that he's learned throughout the course of his high school career. If you haven't listened to our first pod doc titled The Modern Connection Paradox, feel free to do so. It's also an amazing conversation. And since we're a little bit wrapped up in school, since we have been at least for the past month, um, we haven't been pumping out as much content as we would have liked to. But trust us, there is new content on the way and in the works. Keep your eyes peeled for some changes. But as always, this is the DWD podcast signing off. Keep on growing. Peace. Peace.